Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. Welcome to All Nations Aurora. For those of you who are here for the first time, hey, All Nations, what do we do for people that are here for the first time? We, we show them love. We're so glad that you are here with us today. We make zero apologies for getting out of the way of the Holy Spirit. That's what we do here. That's what we're all about. We're all about the king and his kingdom. Uh, but we want to say that we are glad that you are here. My name is Talit, and along with my beautiful wife, Ty, we have the distinct pleasure of being the lead pastors here at this church. Thank you for coming to worship the king with us on today. We are about to embark on a brand new series this month. Um, we're going to be out the box. Y'all know we like to switch things up every now and then. Um, we like to follow what the Holy Spirit tells us to do, as you can see from what happened this morning. And so what we're doing this month was spirit-led. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the month of May is what's known as uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And mental health is one of the least talked about things in the church. By far. Um, and that's unfortunate. Because it's a conversation that definitely uh, uh, needs to be had. And so we're going to have that conversation all month with a, a series that we're calling Exit Wounds. Exit Wounds. The subtitle is The Intersection of Jesus and Professional Counseling. Um, in the church, in a lot of circles, it's our belief that as long as you got Jesus, you don't need nothing else. You just pray it away. And prayer is powerful. Prayer still works. And there's nothing like a touch from Jesus on your adverse situation. It can be turned around in an instant. But however, comma, there are some times where you need to talk to a human being that God has anointed and appointed with wisdom for your situation, and that's biblical too. Did you know that one of our father's nicknames is Counselor? He's the wonderful Counselor. And it is A-OK. -okay. That's what we're going to be talking about all month. For you to have Jesus and therapy. <laughs> Your pastor has a therapist, FYI. Because the Bible tells us um, in Proverbs 11 and 14, without guidance, a people will fall. But with many counselors, there is deliverance. Deliverance. That's a word that takes on different connotations in different Christian circles. Here's what you need to know. Deliverance is real. You can come before the king 
You can cast your cares, your anxiety, your worries, your sin, your burdens on him. You can ask for freedom. You can be asked to be healed and, and, and he can do it in an instant or he can do it along the way. There's plenty of examples in our Bibles that demonstrate this. You can get deliverance from the demonic oppression that's been holding you back. It's all true. But wounds have to be healed. You don't get delivered from the wounds, the scars, and the brokenness. That's why you can come to the altar. You can pray to the Father. The sin can go. The damage is still there. The hurt may still be there. The memories can still be there. Those have to be healed. And in a lot of instances, that's going to require you to be talking to someone, getting wisdom from someone, getting counsel from someone to help you on that journey. It's biblical. Say it's biblical. Proverbs 13 and 10 says, arrogance leads to nothing but strife, but wisdom is gained by those who take advice. Sometimes we um, dress up our arrogance in scripture. Yes, the blood still works. But is the real reason you won't go to therapy pride? <laughs> yes, speaking in tongues does build up your spirit, man, and you should do it every single day. But is the real reason you won't go to therapy because you don't won't nobody in your business. That's arrogance. And the Bible tells us that arrogance will lead us to a life full of strife. And the Bible tells us that we can find healing in the advice of counselors. Amen? Here's some interesting Statistics, nearly 20% of people struggle with mental health at one time in their lives. Now that's interesting by itself, but then of that 20%, 60% of them have never received treatment. So people will struggle privately with no help for their whole lives and never get free. Why? Arrogance. 49% of pastors say they rarely or never speak to their congregation about mental illness. So half the churches have no conversation about mental illness. Yet 65% of church-going family members of those with mental illness want their church to talk openly about mental illness. We're only about seven minutes in and y'all are already uncomfortable. It's a clue 
That's a hint that your enemy doesn't want you to break through. He wants you to keep coming to church smiling, acting like ain't nothing wrong. That's what he wants. Because as long as you keep fronting, you'll only be half as powerful as you're supposed to be. You'll only be half as impactful on the earth as you're supposed to be because your gifts are now getting filtered through your brokenness. And now not only is your life a shell of what it could be, but the people that God assigned to your life, now their lives are only a shell of what they could be. So all month, we're going at it. Now, maybe you didn't know that, and maybe you won't show up again for the rest of the month. I don't know. But we're going to follow the Holy Spirit who led us down this path. And we're going to get healed. I said we're going to get healed in Jesus' name. One thing about healings in the Bible, it required active participation. Like, you can't just sit up there and say, yes, Lord, heal me. No, no, no. Jesus would say things like, pick up your bed and walk. <laughs> he would say things like, come forth. He would say things like, Go and sin no more. It requires active participation. Yeah, he's God, but you have a part to play in this too. Some of you are bound, yet you're free. But you haven't moved, so you're still stuck. Because your healing requires active participation say active participation we got to be real i need us to be real this month we all got something it may not be current but a little something something we need to deal with heck i was dealing with some anxiety last night let me tell y'all about y'all other pastor real quick You know, I tell y'all jokingly, halfway jokingly, that she's Jesus's little play cousin. She's a really nice person. And so we have three children of our own. Three wonderful children. Yet y'all other pastor volunteered us to take care of two more kids. Our nieces. So that the parents can go on a little vacation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now these are little, little kids, two and seven months. Now let me give you a little context about our three kids. Our youngest is about to be 10. So we've been out the game for a little bit. I ain't seen a diaper. I ain't seen a bottle. So all this stuff was on the counter, and I'm just like, I got amnesia. I'm like, what? How does this work? What do we do with these things? 
And so um, it's time to go to bed. I got to preach in the morning. <laughs> so the little one, the seven month, you know, Ty does the rockabye baby and gives it a bottle and she knocks out. She gone. Oh, but that two-year-old. She ain't want nothing to do with night-night. Mm -mm. In fact, she told us, I don't want to. I don't want to. So we, you know, we tussle. And we finally get her on down. But here's where the anxiety kicks in. I'm in the bed, you know, trying to go to sleep to prepare for y'all. And I got two in the room, a two-year-old here and a seven-month-old here. And so I'm sitting with my eyes closed, but I can't go to sleep because I'm like, somebody going to get up. I don't know if it's this one or this one. But I know somebody's going to get up. Now the little one, to her credit, she was gone. Out of there. But that two-year-old, mm-mm. She was a little frustrated. And so she got up a few times and, uh, you know, yelled some things. And um, I just had this anxiety because, um, you know, Ty signed us up for this for a week. Turn to your neighbor and say, a week. And so I'm in the bed like, this is only the first night. What are we going to do? Anxiety can come in many forms. Depression can come out of nowhere. Trauma can show up at our doorstep at any moment. And as the believer, it is not wisdom to act like it ain't there. We got to deal with the situation at hand. We can't act like the Lord doesn't have people that he has given wisdom to that can help us get healed. You don't have to go to a healing service, but those are fine. You don't have to buy a certain book, although those are fine too. Sometimes... You need to call your insurance company and go sit your tail down in somebody's chair. But since most of y'all won't, we're going to do it now. We're going to have a little group therapy all month long. We're going to tackle one subject at a time. Today, we're, we're, we're going to do a conversation that we're calling No More Trauma. We're going to tackle trauma. Everybody pull out your phones real quick. Pull out your phones. Pull out your phones. I'm going to put a slide on the screen, and I want you to scan that QR code because I want to have y'all to answer a few questions. It is 100% anonymous. Can't see your name. Can't see your phone number. 
that is not saved. But we're going to have a little group session. Remember, your healing requires active participation. Say active participation. Do y'all see a question on your phone? Okay. That question should say, which of the following traumatic experiences have you or someone you know experienced? Go ahead and answer that. It's anonymous. You can choose more than one answer. The choices are physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, a natural disaster, combat trauma, or all of the above. And so it's tallying up in real time. The number one response thus far, 82%, 83% emotional abuse is coming in number one, followed by physical abuse number two at 59%, sexual abuse number three at 55%. I've experienced combat trauma. I am clinically diagnosed with post-traumatic stress syndrome disorder. I've got the B. Um, due to what I experienced during my time fighting in Iraq. Did everybody get a chance to vote? We're going to go to question number two. Do you see it on your phone? It says... In your opinion, which of the following can be helpful in the healing process for someone who has experienced trauma? Put your vote in. The choices are prayer and meditation. You can choose more than one answer. Seeking support from a therapist. Uh, building a strong support network. All of the above or none of the above. All of the above is coming in number one. Is that accurate? There it is. All right, one more question. Active participation, right? Active participation. Here's the third question. Have you ever felt hesitant to seek help for mental health issues within your religious community. Oh, that got out of hand quickly. It's totally anonymous. We're not going to tell your old bishop that you voted one way. So go ahead, put your vote in. Yes, I have felt hesitant, and that's the problem. That's the issue for us as a collection of kingdom citizens. Our Bible tells us that we're supposed to lay aside sins and weights to run our way, our race. And for some of us, we're carrying the weight because of religious pressure not to talk to someone. Sometimes it's societal pressure. Sometimes it's family pressure. Whatever it is, it's in the way and it's a weight. 
And we got to do something about that. Would you agree that we got to do something about that? I think we got to do something about that. So we're going to do something about that today. Now, through that same QR code, we're going to have a conversation. We have a very special guest that's on his way to the stage right now. We're going to be having a conversation about trauma. And at any point, if you have a question, you can use that same QR code to anonymously send in your question. Or if you need clarity about something that we're discussing, you can send it in anonymously because your healing requires what? And we want at the conclusion for you to be healed. You can put that behind the chairs. We want you to be healed. So don't sit there and keep holding it in when you have an opportunity like this. It's a God-ordained moment for you. You're not here by accident. You have a chance to walk out your healing in this moment. Amen? So our very special guest today is here. His name is Dr. Zarek Mays. Give it up for Dr. Dr. Zarek Mays, an earned doctorate. Come on, church. He ain't buying on the internet. He went to school and he has a earned doctorate and he has 15 years of experience as a licensed clinician. So we're not just talking to anybody, we're talking to a therapist because y'all won't go see one. We brought you one, okay? And so we're gonna have a conversation this week about trauma. Is that all right? Are y'all ready to actively participate in your healing? Let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Mays. Hello, hello. Hey, everybody. So I remember uh, when, when the Spirit first gave us this idea, first person came to mind was you. Because, yes, you are a clinician, but you're a whole preacher, a whole one. And so you've been in both worlds simultaneously, the, the kingdom and, and in the world, in the marketplace, you've been helping people walk out their journey to freedom through your practice. And I asked you a question. I said, when you hear the term Jesus and therapy, what comes to mind? So I want to ask you that again for them to hear. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, what comes to mind, what came to mind in the conversation immediately was, was the scripture. It's in Isaiah chapter, I think it's nine, that talks about Jesus when he comes, the Father when he comes, what his names are going to be. Everlasting Father, wonderful Prince of Peace. Then there's a special word, Counselor. Mm -hmm. And if we study the scripture, we know that Jesus is the expressed image of God on the earth in human form, 100% God, 100% man. If Jesus is not afraid to be considered a counselor, then as believers, I shouldn't be afraid to go to a counselor. Amen. So that's kind of how we opened up the conversation. Jesus affirms, he approves, he authorizes counseling in his house. 
Yeah. Now, eventually people come to you. Um, sometimes it's taking people a while or they have to go through different layers of whatever they were facing to finally uh, get the courage to say, you know what, I've tried everything. I need to come. Um, is there a consistent theme as to what has held people back from just at the initial onset of a situation to seek help? What has caused people to be hesitant in seeking the help that they've needed, that they knew they needed? In my experience, the initial concern, the initial barrier is fear. Fear of being seen, fear of my weaknesses, these things sort of coming up, being vulnerable. Ooh, we don't want to be vulnerable because what are you going to see? I'm victorious. As a believer, these are things we, we confess. These are things that we are. I'm victorious. But if I submit myself to a therapeutic space, aren't I now not so victorious? Sometimes the two concepts seem to conflict. So the biggest barrier is fear and specifically the fear to be vulnerable, to open up your life. Um, what am I going to run into? What's in there? I forgot what's in there. I buried it. I put a tombstone on it, rest in peace, never to see it again. And you're asking me to stir up dead stuff, but dead stuff is keeping you from living. So it has to be dealt with. So fear. So all my note takers write down dead stuff is keeping you from living. Is dead stuff keeping you from living? That's something that I need you to chew on all week. Something that only you can answer. Is dead stuff keeping you from living? Dr. Dr. Zara, can you explain? Because we, we hear the word trauma and maybe we have a definition that we've co-signed to it. Um, but professionally, this is what you do. Can you explain what trauma is and how it affects a person mentally and physically? Ultimately, you can go on the internet, find this definition. It's not hard, um, but I'll distill it for the purpose of you know this moment. Trauma is simply, it's what's happened to you. It's external events being internalized, but then expressing themselves in damaging ways, destructive patterns, uh, ill ways of coping, all right? Trauma is the result of an external event, usually negative, that's happened, it's internalized, and then it's expressed in a way that's damaging, destructive, uh, or ill will, or ill in that sense. And can you go over some different types of trauma that people may have experienced um, over your years of, of practice? Because some people... Um, may have experienced trauma and have no idea that they have experienced trauma because they don't have language for it. Mm. Uh, trauma is unique. I think it's important that I say that. Usually when we think of trauma, we may immediately go to extreme, severe, uh, as Pastor Talit mentioned earlier, natural events, natural disasters, big stuff. Sometimes trauma is as subtle as emotional abandonment, neglect, not feeling as though anyone sees you on an emotional level. Uh, so trauma, it's a continuum. There's no one thing. What's trauma to you might not be trauma for the next person. Person may see a fire and immediately start going into a panic. Another person may see a fire and I like to be warmed by the fire. Panic or trauma 
in that sense is very unique. But the way to identify it is, again, does it stop me from living fully? Does it stop me from expressing myself? When uh, the minister says to lift my hands, is there something that holds me back? Could be. Doesn't have to be. Could be an indication that there's trauma there. There's somewhere that you've been trapped in your development, in your freedom, in your liberty as a believer uh, that's stopping you from living your fullest life. So um, as people are, are chewing on that, their minds might be going back in history. They may be looking at different moments in their time, in, the, in, their, in, their, in their timeline, in their mind right now. Um, because for a lot of us, we, if we've been in church for a long time, we're really good at pretend. We're really good at um, putting on our, our Sunday's best, which is not just clothing, but it's also appearance and, and, and it's also uh, personality. Uh, it's also language that we communicate. We're too blessed to be stressed, right? We're too anointed to be disappointed. And we just come, smile, shake hands, serve, uh, and then get back in our car still traumatized. Because I think it's, uh, there's a saying that if you, if you tell a lie long enough, it starts to seem like the truth. And for a lot of people, they've been dysfunctional so long, it seems normal. So if we've been functionally dysfunctional for a long time, how can we unearth and recognize that the trauma that we thought that we successfully buried is actually still causing us to walk through life dysfunctional? One of the things that we've got to do is, what comes to mind in this moment is we've got to change our environment. Because the truth of the matter is that thought process, that conditioning happened in the context of a space, of a family, of a church, of a school. It happened in an environment. But I can see how dysfunctional I am when you take me out of that environment and you place me into a more functional, maybe it's dysfunctional too, but a more functional space is going to reveal or sort of uncover where your dysfunction hides. Because that's what it is. It's hiding. You're hiding. But you won't know until you're forced into a situation that shines a light there. So the environment. How can you shift, arrange, rearrange your current environment in a way that will expose what might be lurking in the dark? If something might be lurking in the dark, he say it. So turn on the light. Um, some Christians believe that the only way to get free is through prayer. As a, as a preacher and a therapist, can you elaborate on the importance of, at times, considering that there may be some additional layers that you need to add to your prayer life in order to get the healing that God desires for you? Can I be direct? maybe a little provocative, controversial, maybe. Prayer is not enough. Ooh. Ooh. Not in the context of God's ability. God can do anything. Y'all like a church, good class. But prayer is not enough in light of your awareness, your 
capacity. Actually, what God may be doing is answering your prayer. If he sends you a counselor, if he sends you professional help, God, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. And God says, I'm going to give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. I'm going to give you someone to go to. If you search the scripture, anytime the people of God needed deliverance, Exodus 3, if we go there, I'm not going to preach today because that's not what I'm here for. But Exodus 3, if we go there, talks about the righteous crying out, God, people crying out. God says, I've heard your affliction. I heard that you were in trouble. I heard that you had some trauma. But I'm going to, I'm going to come down and deliver you. How? Through a deliverer whose name was Moses. If I search the scripture even more, what I find is anytime God is going to deliver a people, he's going to send it in the form of a person because your trauma happened through your interaction with the person. So if you're going to be healed, you need a new interaction, maybe with a new person. So that's, uh, that's how we do that. Um, professional help may be the answer to your prayer. So instead of seeing it as, God, you're not listening to me, see it as, no, God, you've heard me, and you've sent me the help that I need. God, you know me more than I know me. You know the depths of this trauma and how it's impacted my life. I think I know, but you know me more than I know me. If you send me an individual, a church, a community, I've got to trust that this is your answer. Okay? Yeah. You hear them wolves and... I hear. <laughs> a very consistent question that's coming in from the audience is um, the any tips on identifying a good therapist? A, a nuance or a very similar question to that is: um, Should my therapist? Does my therapist need to only be a Christian therapist? Um, and what should I expect when I show up? All right, we're going to try to break it down. It's a packed question. All right, finding a therapist. Um, one of the ways, or one of the things I tell my, my clients, anyone that comes to me, I say, when you're looking for a therapist, it's like going to the grocery store. You have your favorite food. So in this moment, I want you to pull your favorite food to mind. Let me give you a second. Think of your favorite food, maybe fruit. Let's go with the fruit. Favorite fruit. Got it? All right, you're going to the grocery store for your favorite fruit, and from a distance, it looks good. It's shiny, it's clean, it's great. Ooh, I'm about to go get it. But as you get closer, you start to inspect it, look around, and you may find a blemish, you may find a little rotten spot. Finding a therapist is just like that. From a distance, we all look shiny, we all look good, but oftentimes it's not until you interact with the therapist, maybe during the first or second session, where you sort of find out you know, all right, you're cool. I don't feel that you're right for me. I don't feel as though we're connecting in the way that we should, and that's okay. Um, finding a, the right therapist is a process. There is no formula. There is no formula to understanding you. There's not going to be a formula to finding your therapist, but the best thing that you can do is at least begin the search. As you find that person, you're not the one, go to the next until you find the one that's right for you. Um, should my therapist be a Christian or not? Um, no hard, fast rule, no hard, fast answer. Um, I think you have to sort of, that's something that you'll have to discover or decide for yourself. 
um, there are certain in secular in the secular world um, something to be aware of. There are certain practices um, that are now being brought in that don't align with our Christian values. Um, there are suggestions that you'll receive that won't align with your Christian values. But when you go to sit in front of a therapist, one of the things they should do is increase your sense of agency. What is that? Your sense of control in your life. You get to choose what's going to work for you. If something doesn't align with your value, tell your therapist, oh, no, I don't. I don't quite believe in that. Won't do that. But do you have any other recommendations? Um, and you just continue to move that way. Now, uh, in addition to keeping in that same line of thought, someone asked the question because one of the things that you mentioned in one of your early answers uh, as far as hesitations is, oh, man, now I have to relive that because now I have to talk about it. And so someone asks, okay, you're telling us to be careful or, or to be intentional and considerate as we go through the process of finding a therapist. So if therapist A didn't work out, now I have to go retell this story again to therapist B, and that could be discouraging for, for someone. What would, how would you advise that person? Therapy is a process. I would not recommend thinking that you're going to go to your first therapy session and dive right in to everything. You're just not. They're gonna ask you questions. They wanna know your history. Okay, why are you here today? And you may say, I'm here to unpack trauma, but a good therapist will, they want to walk with you on your journey. They wanna take it at, they should desire to take it at your pace. So going into therapy, one of the misconceptions that you'll have to kind of shoo out of your mind is, I've gotta jump right in, unpack it all, and I'm gonna be, it's going to be a miracle working therapy session. No, it's not. It's going to be a you working therapy session, but a good therapist will walk with you and they'll even assess your readiness. All right, are you ready to go there? No, not yet. All right, give it, give it a week or so. I want you to start to prepare yourself. We'll revisit it again. You know, we'll touch it. Then I'll move away. Then we'll come back and I'll move away. Good therapy is moment by moment and your therapist should be attuned to where you are moment by moment, okay? Is that good? All right. Just to moonwalk back a couple of steps. I was gonna do that. Um, Saw myself doing it. <laughs> someone wanted to ask you this. There are plenty of things that I can handle through prayer. How do I know where that line of demarcation is? Like, you know what? Maybe in addition to praying, I need to sit down with someone. How do you know when this is bigger than just praying my way through it? <laughs> yes, you can be direct. We, 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 we mentioned a term earlier, um, and we say it in church spaces a lot, and I'm going to bring it to this moment. Um, we talked about breakthrough. Breakthrough. How many of you have heard of Breakthrough. I'm a teacher, so I need hands to speak. <laughs> yeah. In the space of prayer, a lot of things can happen. You're processing things with God. You're telling God all about your troubles, your issues, your confessing promises, all of those things. But if you find, specific to trauma, that kind of thing, if you find that, God, I've been praying about this, and it's just not going anywhere. It's not leaving my life. I can't seem to stop organizing my life around this trauma, this experience. I know you're on the throne, but I can't really give you my full attention. 
because there's an experience that's intruding. There's an experience that's getting in the way, even of me finishing my prayer. I can even get to amen, because when I start to pray about that, my mind is taken way somewhere else until I come back, oh, God, I was supposed to be praying about that, but I, I started to relive it again. That may be an indication that you, prayer might not be uh, enough. Thank you, baby. That's my wife right there, y'all. That might be an indication that prayer is not enough. And again, not that prayer isn't powerful and that it doesn't invite the host of heaven in, but it's just, this is a barrier that I kind of need someone to walk me through. Um, yeah. So we're going to stay right there in that scenario with this question, because now that person realizes this is bigger than just prayer. I need to go sit down with someone. They're sitting down with someone. All right. And so now this question comes, how do you deal slash heal with the person that triggers painful memories of the traumatic event, even after forgiveness? So there's, they, they've come, they've sat down with you, you've walked them through some things, you've, you may have given them some advice on, well, you need to forgive because forgiveness is for you, it's not for them. They did so, but they still got to interact with that person and it's causing traumatic triggers to come back every time they interact. My initial question is why? Why do you have to keep interacting? Maybe you're married. Maybe you're in a situation where, yeah. Could be a family speak. member. Could be a family member. This is what I do in therapy sessions. I think I have to take your question and I have to ponder it for a moment uh, because, it, again, I want to give you an answer that applies to you, to your situation. But what do I do if I'm still interacting with the person that I've forgiven, but I'm finding that I'm, I'm still triggered, still feel the pain? The trauma comes back. Trauma Mine. comes back. I think that's what you talk about in, in the context of your therapy session. I have this individual that I have I've made the decision to forgive in my heart. I've made the decision, but something is happening in my head because trauma impacts not only your heart, trauma really does impact you on a physical level, your, your brain chemistry. All of these things are, are influenced by a traumatic event. And so it's not that in my heart, I'm holding something, I'm holding a grudge. My brain, my mind remembers. I'm having flashbacks every time I see him. So that is something that you would discuss in your therapy session. It's something that would be unpacked and your therapist will have to sort of walk you through. Um, maybe there's room to establish boundaries to a degree. Um, maybe there are room, there's room to, you've got to find a space for release, you've got to find a space away from um, that individual to a degree. Boundaries sort of help that thing. We would have to become really creative. I'd have to know, you know, a bit more detail in order to really, all right, let's, let's see how we might build in breathing room. Because that's what you don't have. You've decided to release them, but you've also not decided to inhale. How can we create a situation where you are breathing, where you're inhaling, exhaling, and not having to hold your breath when you're around them. All right, so we have a slew of questions that are family trauma related. Yeah. You ready? Okay. 
Right now, I'm dealing with emotional abuse from my husband, who's an addict, who recently relapsed. I'm not okay and feel as though God is the only one I can go to. Respectfully, gently, humbly. Uh, <laughs> God can't be the only one that you can go to. Uh, he may be the easiest one. And he should be, right? He's God. He's our Father. But if I'm gonna, if I'm going to stay true to Scripture, there's a Scripture comes to mind in the moment. God takes the lonely, He takes the abandoned, He takes those who feel as though they're isolated, and He places them where in families. So if the Scripture be true, and it is, there's someone. Maybe you've not identified them. So your prayer. I would ask you, what are you praying? What are you, when you're spending time with God, in addition to asking God, you know, to, to help you and to strengthen you and to help your husband respectfully, I mean that, I, re, I mean that respectfully. I'd also encourage you, God, show me my family, show me my teachers, show me that one person, that brother, that sister, that I can trust with this burden, who helped me to carry it so that I don't feel alone. Your word is true. This is how I go to God. I remind him, God, your word is true. What I'm experiencing is contradictory. It's not lining up with your word. But before I peace out on you, I'm going to find peace in you. And I'm going to find peace with the person that you connected me with or that you want me to connect with that's going to help me to get through this moment. There is someone. Your feelings are not facts. Your feelings are not facts. Jesus said this, if you continue in my word, some of this is going to take discipline. You're going to have to discipline yourself to not do what you feel or to not do sometimes what our trauma has trained us to do, which is pull away, isolate, you know, um, separate, all that stuff. But Jesus says this, you continue my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? Make you free. God, I need to know your truth on this. I know what I feel, and I'm going to be real about that. God, I feel like I'm in this by myself. But I know better because your word has come and given me light. There's somebody that I'm supposed to connect with until I can reconnect and, and be restored and reconciled with you know, my husband or my spouse or whoever that is. Um, yeah, there's family for you. There's someone for you. Ask God to reveal them and then have the courage and the faith to lean into that person. Hey, I know you don't know me. I know this may be really weird, but I just feel like God is highlighting you to me. Um, can we go out? You know, I don't know. One of the things that you've said constantly and consistently is that's a journey. And I want us all to be okay with being on that journey. 
a lot of times pain, uh, the goal when you feel pain is I need that pain gone. And you're looking for the quickest way to get there. Even in the natural, stub your toe or, or you get a cut uh, or something like that. You want that pain out of your life. And sometimes healing is instantaneous. Sometimes healing happens as we go and as we walk um, this out. So I want us all to be okay with being on a journey. The name of the series is Exit Wounds because the goal is we want these wounds gone. Right? So if that's the goal for the wounds to be gone, let's be willing to do the work that it takes. Let's be willing to walk on the journey necessary. Let's be willing to take each and every step that we have to get that we have to in order to get to the ultimate goal which is for the wounds to be gone. We're sticking with family, okay? So the, obviously that's in the room. So let, let, let's pray in that for my intercessors that are in the room, my prayer team that's in the room. Uh, there's a lot of people that are dealing with trauma specifically related to their bloodline. So let's make that a prayer point. How do you deal with a narcissistic father what are the boundaries and tips on interactions? I'll say it again. How do you deal with a narcissistic father? What are the boundaries and tips on interactions? My, my first thought is to really assess um, just how much, assess how you might shift or change some of the interactions. Are you interacting because you have to? Are you interacting because um, you feel like this is just what I'm supposed to do? If, there, if you can sort of shift how you're having to react, if there's any way you can do it, Maybe you have to lessen your, your interactions. Maybe you've got to have fewer. Um, maybe you need to know that it's difficult to rationalize with a person with that depth of, of psychological torment, pain, um, if you're, if, you're, if you're going into the situation expecting to, how can I say it, y'all, um, to change them, or, you know, you're picking up and you're, again, you're having a phone call as if you're, you're speaking with the person who is, is just clear in their mind, in their head. Um, they're not. And so if there is a way to build in space to build in time for you to even recover. Maybe you can't get out the boxing ring, but is there a corner that you can retreat to in order to sort of get ready for the fight if you can't get out the ring? Um, I know with, with, with familial type things, it, it gets very complex, um, but the best thing that I can say right now is assessing what you can do in order to not constantly subject yourself um, or be subjected to the abuse um, and anything else that's sort of happening in that, in that way. Good answer. Um, 
also want to give I'll give a preview because now I'm starting to get um marriage questions. So uh week three, we will have a marriage counselor on the stage. Um and we're gonna dive a whole lot deeper into um marriage and family counseling on that day. Um how excuse me, what do you do when the recent trauma and feeling of emptiness seems to have you in full random panic mode and anti-social. What do you do when recent trauma and feeling of emptiness seems to have you in full random panic mode and feeling anti-social? Go to your therapist. Now, I say that um, because even in going to therapy, there are times where we know it's good to go to therapy and we've embraced that. We've accepted that. I want to go to my therapist and, you know, tell them all about my stuff. Um, but sometimes we don't always take what's actually messing with us into the therapeutic space. Like, I, I don't, there, there's this separation or this dissonance that happens where it's like, I mean, I'm in therapy, but are you actually talking about what's problematic to you? What, what's, what was your issue like today? Um, so you go to your therapist, but if, if you can't, um, there are a couple ways to own it. I'm going to just read what I got. Um, and when I say own it, what I mean is sort of being aware of what's happening, being aware of your inner experience. What are you feeling? What are you sensing? How's your breathing? How's your heart? Are you, you know, are you sweating? What's going on there? Um, but a couple ways are to you, you practice mindfulness. So that is paying attention to your breathing, um, taking control. Because what happens in panic is I lose my sense of control, especially like a panic attack. I feel like you know everything is closing in on me, everything. I've got to center, I've got to find a way to center myself, to ground myself. One of the ways is breathing. Another way is depending on where this happens, if it happens in a familiar space, um, just going around and starting to sort of touch, you know, things at right, table, chair, me, floor, symbol. I, I, what I'm doing is I'm, rem, I'm telling my nervous system that I'm in a familiar space. I'm in a familiar place. The world is not falling, uh, you know, not falling apart around me. I feel like it. What I'm ultimately doing is taking my, I'm going to give you guys a word, my limbic system, my brain, my nervous system, I'm taking that through ordinary therapy. I'm becoming my own therapist in this moment only. Um, so you can touch things, you can move around, anything that's going to sort of ground you, center you, bring you back to that place of, of feeling balance, um, doing that. Here's the thing too. And don't only do it when you're panicking. When you're calm, like now, like here, after the presence of the Lord has come, and oh my God, we're at peace, so much joy in the room. Hallelujah. After that, you know what, you know what we don't do? You know what we do? We go back to life as usual. Oh, that was so great. What would be a better thing to do is whatever the presence of the Lord ministered to you today, if it were peace, if it were joy, uh, if it were strength for tomorrow, whatever that is, take that experience, take that moment, and now map it out. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, all right, I felt peace in that moment. 
All right, when I feel peace, I can think clearly. Now let me think about what do I enjoy? Or what's something I can do when, as a means of healthy coping, um, what's something I can do, I don't know, maybe exercise. Maybe I can finally sort of map out how many times a week can I go walking, go for a walk. Use, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but utilizing the presence of God for what he's for. He's not just for your next high. He doesn't come to just affirm our addictive nature. The presence of God comes into the room to accomplish so much more. But if we don't know that, or if we're not aware of, okay, God, what can I do that's going to be productive to my future, a future me, a tomorrow me? What can I do today that's going to benefit tomorrow? But that coming from fellowshipping with you in your presence. How many of you map your future out in the presence of the Lord? Is that a show of no hands or is that all right? No shame, no shade. This is a safe space. I'm asking you these things to get you thinking. When you feel, and that's another topic, but when you experience or sense or recognize that God is in a space, not because someone is saying it, but because, oh my God, no, God, I really sense you here. Something, something is happening in this room. This is no longer just a school auditorium, like it's charged or something is happening here. When you experience that for yourself, maybe in your times of devotion or prayer or in your car or wherever you do that, I was gonna be way too, whatever. Um, what do you do in that moment? Sure, we take it in and we embrace it. Yes, oh God, I feel your, feel your glory. Thank you for your presence. You're so faithful. You're so awesome. God, what do you wanna do? What would you have me do? A practice that my wife and I have is sometimes we'll pray, invite the presence of the Lord in, he's there, but really it is attuning ourselves with, God, what do you want, where are you? And you know what we'll do? God, we got this plan. We're going to lay it right here before you. Father, this is our plan. I don't know what to do. What do you want us to do? And then we'll start to talk or converse, but then we'll just start to maybe write. But we're trusting that in the presence of the Lord, what comes to me is not just random stuff. God is speaking. He's giving me a plan. If he can do it in a dream, he can do it while I'm awake. Whoa, 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 whoa. I need you to say that again. <laughs> if God can do it in a dream, he can do it when I'm awake. But here, here we go. Why doesn't it happen when I'm awake? Maybe you're dysregulated. Now, what is dysregulation? That just means my, my systems, my nervous system, uh, you know, my brain system, all that stuff. I don't want to use big terms. It's just, it's off. You know, I'm just rattling and shaking, you know, when I'm awake. And I'm not saying that to be funny. But what therapy will do is therapy will teach you how to self-regulate, to find your, your center, your, 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 your balance zone, so that one of the reasons that God does give us dreams is because it's when we're most relaxed. 
most of us. Um, trauma can impact that as well. But in our sleep, you know, we're relaxed. I dreamed the dream of the Lord. Yeah. But if I wanted to, Jesus, why am I going here? If I wanted to step into the next realm of visions, God, I want to see what you're showing me while I'm awake. I may have to deal with my trauma. The presence of the Lord may lead you to therapy because there's more I want to show you. But I'll show you more as much as you're willing to process what's in you. Okay. Is this good? Am I the only one? I'm about to backflip out this chair. The good doctor has given us some, some, some good wisdom on today. I hope you all are taking notes and writing it down and not acting like you're okay if you're not okay. And it's okay if you're not okay. It's okay. It's okay. That's why we're all here together as family. Trying to be all that God wants us to be. Can you really, Dr. Zarek, be totally healed from being emotionally abused the majority of your life from childhood to adulthood? Is They're basically saying, is there help for me if this has been going on since I was a child? My answer to your question is yes. In this space, in this moment, the ultimate authority that I stand on and that I speak in is the word of God. If I were to say, no, you can't really be healed all the way, is Jesus, is he not the healer? And when I say healing, ah, man, I really mean healing to the point of being whole. It is the will of God that we prosper, that we be in health, even as our soul prospers. So here's what I'll say. Is healing, is absolute healing possible? Yes, but only to the degree <laughs> that you're willing to actively participate. If at any point healing stops, it's not that God ran out of healing power, Maybe you, <laughs> you ran out of a will to, to continue to participate. All right. You've got to be willing to walk with God until everything that he said is experienced in your life. You don't get to stop because, I don't know, fill in the blank. If total healing is what you desire, go after it. If complete healing is what you desire, go after it. Jesus said what? I draw near, or the word of God says, he draws near to the brokenhearted. If in your journey you're finding, God, there are parts of my heart that are still broken, that's not an indication that God has, uh, that his power has ceased. It is an invitation to come in some more. Come here. Come here. Your broken pieces remaining in your life are not indications that you're, something's wrong with you. For the believer, it is an invitation. Come here. I've got more to show you. I've got more to show you. I've got more to show you. I know you're seeing, God, I'm, I'm still dealing with this. I've got more to show you. Come in, come in a little more. Lean in a bit more. 
All right. It's an invitation. Accept it. It's a beautiful thing. Okay. So this question is going to tap in on both sides of your expertise. Um, when you have dreams of bad things happening to you and you feel those traumatic feelings while sleeping, could this be a sign of unpacked trauma? Absolutely. 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 I think it is, I think it is, an, again, um, I'm gonna say what I just said. I think it is, again, an invitation to explore. Um, the scripture says this, that the glory of God is to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search it out. We've been made kings and priests, right? Uh, as believers in, in God. If there are things that are coming up in me, what the ministries of the Holy Spirit, spirit of truth, is to reveal stuff to you that you won't deal with. So sometimes, I'm going, ooh, I'm going to devastate you. Sometimes, after you've spent time in the presence of the Lord, you know what's going to start to come up and come out? Is that stuff that you've been running away from. There have been many, many, many times that I would go on a fast, where I'd be seeking the Lord, and I go to sleep, and something just demonic, I would call it, I thought, that's got to be a devil. And this is going to speak to the power and the need for, for mentors and being disciple in the body. But I would call my mentor and say, hey, I just had this dream, and I know I've been seeking God. What in the world is going on? And he said, Z, one of the things that the Holy Spirit will not allow you to do is to, to not be honest with yourself. He just won't allow it. He will not let you settle for a lie. That's not his nature. Why would he do that? He wouldn't, if he let you settle for a lie, he doesn't love you. If the Lord lets you settle for a lie, he doesn't love you. But we know that's not true. He loves us, so he's got to. So anyway, so I would just have these moments, and my mentor would help me to understand a part of the, mini the ministry of the Holy Spirit for you, Z. I don't know about your wife and all these other people, but for you is he, calls you, he causes you to face things that you normally wouldn't face had you not been aware or had you been awake and you could like, you know, that ain't God, go away. And so... Still saying that to say, if you're having dreams and there are feelings and triggers and things that are coming up, it really may be an indication and an invitation to you to explore that thing. If you're willing to explore it, God can redeem it. If you're willing to claim that, okay, man, this happened to me. I wouldn't have let it happen to me, but it has. If you're willing to embrace that, God can redeem it. But again, he can't redeem what you won't trust him with. It is a part of its active participation. If you don't let it go, if you don't lay it before him, cast your cares, your worries, your anxieties before the Lord because he cares for you. If you don't cast it, you'll never know how much he cares. Some of you wonder, why don't I feel like God cares? 
You know why? It's simple. Because you've not learned how to cast. You've got to, and sometimes we cast it. I need something to throw. Give me this. I don't know. I need something to throw. Hold on. I'm being dramatic. This is for dramatic effect. I want you to remember. Here we go. Cast my gears on the Lord, y'all. Watch. You're not going to get it, God. You're not going to get it. Okay. Well, I'm going to take care of myself because, you know, I can do it myself. And then we do it again. Then we do it again. Oh, cast. It's a little further this time. Ooh. 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 God, you're not going to get it. Okay. Casting my cares on God. Now, what I will say, sometimes it is a process. Sometimes we have to learn because of trauma, because of things we've been through, because we've been so independent, because we've had to care for ourselves and there was no one else, you know, we had to do it. Sometimes God has to break us out of that. All right, so I'm not condemning you. We're not, there is no condemnation. That don't even exist here in this space. But we have to learn to truly cast it. I don't want to hit anyone. Where is it? I don't know. I gave it to God. As I do that, now that I'm open and free, I can receive the affection, the love, the da 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 from God. If you want to know how much he cares, get good at casting. All right? Okay. Amen. You're experiencing what it's like to sit down with a professional counselor. And one, sorry, that's filled with the spirit. Now, do I think there is a benefit to having a spirit-filled counselor? <laughs> Absolutely. Is every Christian spirit-filled? I can't say. Every Christian counselor, I mean. I can't say. I won't speak to that. But as you're seeking therapy, as you're seeking counseling spaces, ask God. Father, there's got to be more than Dr. Z out there, right? Ask God, Father, send me someone that, that's spirit-filled, that has your spirit, because what they're going to do, they're going to merge it to you. They're going to give you some clinical stuff. They're going to give you therapy stuff. But then they're going to give you stuff that really speaks to your authority, your identity, who you are in Christ. The old thing is passed away. They're going to remind you. Everything was made new in Christ, but that is a process, and we're going to walk into that newness together. All right? So spirit-filled. Anyway, okay. He's doing good, ain't he? You know, one of the ancillary goals of this series for us is for you to experience it, for you to kind of take your guards down, for you to kind of get some of them, them walls that you built around the stigma that you may have of experiencing counsel. You're experiencing it right now. Some of you are getting free right now. Some of you are getting helped right now. And so that's what we want you to do even after this series ends. Next question is this, doctor. What is the best way to convince family or friends who are religious that therapy can be beneficial? And do you have any scriptures that we can use to back up our case to them? The first best way, the first, I think the most powerful way 
is to go yourself. You go to Devery. You go. Why? As they see the transformation that's happening in you, something in them, now I know you. We don't been together, you know. You're changing. I mean, I mean, you. I know you've been a believer. I mean, I know that. I know that you know, but something else is happening. You're changing. You're not the. You're you, but you're different. I think your life is is the greatest testimony that there is to the benefit of therapy, to the benefit of of being a believer, um, a Jesus person, as we are. Your life. Um, as far as scripture is concerned, I think it really is just getting very familiar with passages of scripture that speak to counseling, that speak to wisdom, being found in the multitude of counsel, counseling being a form of deliverance. Um, the scripture is replete. If I look in the book of Psalms, we see uh, David, the life of David there. But even if I go to the book of Job and I see Job's conversation with his friends, um, the scripture affirms, validates, authorizes counseling. It's a form of healing. I can go to the New Testament where the scripture talks about there being gifts of healing. What that means is there are many facets, aspects, forms, ways to access and to engage healing. Counseling is just one of them. Um, therapy is just one of them. Um, so you would have to do your homework. Literally, I mean, you'd have to you have, you have to study your family. You need to know sort of some of the barriers, some of the beliefs, some of the core beliefs, even that maybe you espoused at one point. Why didn't you want to go to therapy before you went? Don't forget that stuff. Don't forget why did you want? Why did you? What did you see in Jesus? The benefit for receiving him into your life prior to? Because it's along the lines of that same basis that you become a witness for him. You become the preacher in your family. Your life begins to reach for them. Um, yeah. I think this is a good one for um, what the future could be for some people that are listening right now. They said, what does total healing look or feel like if you have had trauma your entire life? How do you identify and embrace the change once it happens? Um, on an everyday level, on a practical level, I think what you'll find is um, you may find yourself less triggered by certain things that triggered you. Um, you'll learn or you'll come to find that the sting, the pain behind the memory, you may never forget. Can I say that? Total healing doesn't mean that you will forget the incident. That's good. I'm healed because I don't even, I don't remember. No, you will remember. Um, but what's happening, remember, trauma is all about what's happening in you based on what's happened to you. So you will know that healing is happening when you see that thing again, or you may have a flashback or a memory, or you may see the person again. And you're like, Ain't nothing happened. I didn't start sweating bullets. I didn't start, you know, sometimes we, I didn't start shaking. My knee wasn't moving. 
something. It's gone. The sting of it is gone. The fear behind it, uh, the, the catastrophe that I connected to it or what I thought, it's not there anymore. You'll know that total healing is happening when you are no longer moved by what moved you before. Just one way. Now, here's an area of therapy that we have not touched on yet. These two questions are very close. So I'm going to say them both. Can you discuss the stigmas slash thoughts on medications? Should they be long term? The second question is very close. How do you feel about psychotropic drugs being used with a with, uh, from a therapist? Um, that's complex. Um, I don't have a silver bullet. Um, but what I will say is I think medication has its place. Um, I think it can contribute to you healing. Um, when you have a headache, how many of you, do any of you take Tylenol, Advil, um, ibuprofen, you know, sort of painkiller stuff. Um, yeah. When the headache is gone, do you still take Tylenol? I mean, like, do you, once it's relieved, do you go back and take more Tylenol? No, usually I'm done with it. It, it served its purpose. Um, I think medication, thing I would say, I think medication can serve its purpose. Um, I think it is very important that you be informed, that you sort of know what you're taking, what are the impacts that it could have, side effects, um, what impacts can it have on my, my awareness, my judgment, does it impair that stuff? Um, or does it again return me to a, to a, a baseline, um, a point of being balanced? I definitely don't mean stuff like weed. That, take, that doesn't return you to your baseline. <laughs> I don't think they heard you. Can you say it again? I don't. When, when we're speaking of medication, psychotropic stuff, I'm not saying weed. I'm not saying, you know, just go get you. But it's legal, Dr. Zarek. Yeah. But just because it's lawful. Woo! Come on, church. Where y'all at? Why y'all so quiet in this angle? Doesn't mean it's expedient. What does expedient mean? I'll tell you. If you if you sort of search that out in the context of that scripture, what it says is it's it may be lawful, but it is not contributing to spiritual life. It is not leading you into a more, how can I say it, robust way of living and being led by the Spirit of God. If you're looking to be led by the medication, then you might want to be careful. And when I say led by, I mean, I literally mean it. I can't, I can't live without it. I can't do nothing without it. I can't. It is my God. No. No, no, no. If the medication helps to center you for a minute so that you can, oh, God, let me, you know. Sure. But if I'm utilizing medication to either replace God or to serve as, you know, a surrogate or something, nah, I would avoid it. It's not, it's not expedient for you. Um, and I definitely wouldn't, and if you're unwilling for it to be, what do we call it, Pastor G? Um, what do you call it, y'all? Um, when things are at least under the government, sanctioned, 
you know, you've got a, a prescription that you're, that you're told to follow. I'm not talking about just popping it and popping it, you know. If you're not willing to follow a prescription or fo follow doctor's orders. Protocols. Protocols. Not expedient, you know. Um, because even with dosages, as you heal, because God is, God is also working with us in this process. We're not, I'm not excluding God from this. I'm not excluding God from your healing. God is involved the whole time. So what you'll find is as you're healing, prayerfully, hopefully, you should need less and less. Or even if you don't, your dosage can be decreased. It can be changed. But if you're needing more, whew, up my dosage person, you know, whoever, you know, there are even homeopathic ways. There are even, you know, there are natural things that we can do. It's a slower way of doing things, but there are ways to get to healing other than, you know, what seem to be the most easy or accessible. You've been, you've been swimming in the deep end, so I'm going to lighten the load a little bit. Bring me back. Let you catch your breath. Good. So someone asks, okay. You convince me I should seek for some therapy. How do I know how often I should go uh, to a counselor? Again, it really is. Um, when I say it's a process, I really mean that. Um, some of the answers you won't know until you kind of start to engage. So let's say your first session, you have a session. Usually your, your therapist will ask, well, how often are you thinking? Are you thinking once a month, twice a month, once a week? Do you feel as though you need more than once a week? Um, your therapist is going to gauge that with you. I would go in where you feel most, where you're going, what's going to help you to feel most cared for, most seen, most validated, um, most heard in the direction of, of healing. So if you find, I don't feel like one week is enough. I need more. Then go more. And then if you find, oh, I really didn't need you that much. I was just, I was tripping. I was just really like, I was excited. Take me back to one. Once a week is good. And then if you find after a while, all right, I think I can go every other week. Do that. Um, it's really, it's on you. The whole purpose of therapy, especially as it relates to trauma, again, is to give you that sense of ownership and that sense of choice in your healing process. Something was taken from you, as it feels when traumatic things happen, something was just snatched. It is your way of sorting, all right, let me put the piece back. Or if you were to look at it like a canvas, you, you paint your picture. Use as many strokes as you like. There are no, no hard grass rules. You just got to sort of find out what works for you. One of the things that trauma prevents us from doing, or at least gives us hesitation in doing, and I want to say it carefully, is thinking for ourselves. We want to be told, okay, tell me, tell me everything, because I need to know. Um, as you're going through the, through the process of healing, you'll find, I can decide, I got it. Once is enough. You sure? Yeah. So, yeah. I want to stay tactical for a second. Um, can't people contact HR, find out maybe the company has offerings or options for them to seek out? I'm sorry. I, 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 want, I want to upset Ashley, my, my local HR professional. Okay. Do uh, you need a microphone, Ashley? Okay. All right. 
So can you talk to people about finding out what type of options their employer may have in regards to seeking out the counseling that they need? Yes, Pastor Talent literally just sort of gave you the, he just laid it out. Um, you can go to your human resources department um, to explore what your, what your specific company sort of makes available to you um, as an employee. Some companies will make um, a few sessions, they'll cover a few sessions for you even, um, but that will depend on, you've got to sort of do the legwork to at least ask, you know, your HR, what does our organization provide in this area? Um, if you don't find it within your organization, um, the next thing I would say is to look into your community. There are community agencies, community-based agencies um, that will provide counseling and therapy um, at low cost, both insurance and non-insurance. And then if that doesn't work, to start, I would say at least even online, you have platforms like BetterHelp you may have heard of. Um, there are different online platforms that basically bring therapy right to your home. Um, exploring those three levels, so that your job, community, and then online is how to sort of walk your way into that journey. Now, in those three levels, what about the person who may not, you know, work for a company that has those options, or maybe they have a working part-time, or maybe they're not working at all, uh, low-cost options, community-based options? Is there anything for, for those type of individuals? There are. There, there are. Um, I would suggest, again, just sort of performing a very general internet search, beginning with your, your area. So if you guys are in the Aurora area, um, just, you know, simply type in therapy in Aurora, you know, counseling in Aurora. Um, you will have to still sift through what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate at the same time is there, there's not a shortcut. If you are seeking shortcuts you're setting yourself up to be shortchanged the change you experience will be minimal and you'll be shortchanged you just you won't get everything that that that's available to you so you're going to have to do some work um, to find what you need all right uh we're getting we're getting you got a few more minutes for us Okay. Here's one that um, I think we should definitely hit. How do you regain your self-esteem and release the pain after many years of physical, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse? Um, in my sessions, um, in my work with individuals who have experienced um, similar things. I always start by asking them, who are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm Zarek. No, 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 no. Tell me or even take me back to prior before, prior to the incident, regardless of how long it's been, if you can even go that far, how do you remember yourself? What brought you joy? Um, what made you feel alive? 
and it could be very usually it may even relate back to childhood so it, it it goes back i used to like to you know i don't know color art all right we're gonna go back there and we're gonna pull that into where you are i know it may, it may feel very basic very like i did not come to therapy to color but you did because what you don't know is your your creative essence the thing that makes you you was taken it was disrupted it was interrupted and you've now been living your life trying to figure out who am i you may have bounced from relationship to relationship trying to recover parts of yourself when you look like you've got something that 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 i'm supposed to have but you look like you got something too there's a part of me and you but a part of counseling is revisiting and realizing the scripture says it this way everything pertaining to life and godliness he's given us when he moved in everything that i needed for life for godliness moved in with him what we've got to figure out is where it's at so we're going to walk through your house your life Want to walk through your house door by door. I'm going to start at the beginning. I'm going to knock. He stands at the door. Knocking. When you come to therapy. Yep. Why not? Let me in. Let's look around the living room. What's supposed to be here? What do you see here? What did you do in the living room? Take me a little further into the house. What happened back here? What died in you? In that room there. What lived in you in that room there? And through a process of sort of going back and forth between rooms, in and out, you know, all of that stuff, we're going to find your broken pieces. You're going to remember who you are. And we're going to build on that. We're going to cultivate that. Then I'm going to challenge you. All right. I want you to take what we discovered in session. Take it back home. Now it's gonna freak some people out. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna mess with them a little bit because they're expecting you to come back how you left. But you're coming back different. I may challenge you where you would normally say yes to people. Start to say no. See how they respond. Because how they respond might be an indication of whether or not they can go where you're going for a season. So it's, it's, it's going to, it starts at the identity level. Even as we come into the kingdom of God and we talk about a lot of things, the first thing that is restored is sonship. What does it mean to be a son of God? What does it mean to be a son? I don't even know what that means in real life. I ain't have a dad. Or mom, I was abandoned. All right, let's revisit. What does it mean for him to be your father? What does it mean to be loved? If you've never been loved, you don't know love. So I can't ask you to love. But once he moves in, as a believer, we've got an advantage. I can, with God, 
begin to explore, all right, God, what does this mean for me? And with my counselor, how do I do this? Um, and your counselor will give you recommendations and things like that. So before I ask you the final question, uh, several people wanted to know if I would like to uh, sign up for therapy with you. Do you have a contact information that you can put out there if people want to get in contact with Dr. Zarek Mays? I do have contact information. Um, how y'all going to take it? Y'all going to write it down? I'll give you my email. Okay. Huh? Your business manager. What, what should he do? What'd you say? Email. Email is good. Okay. I could have put a little QR code on the screen if I was I wasn't thinking. All right. My email is Dr. Dr. Zarek Mays. So it's D-R-Z-E-R-E-K-M-A-Y-E-S at gmail.com. Uh, if you shoot me an email, um, I can contact and connect with you that way. Um, what I will say so that it's known this next month or so or two, I'm on a, on a, I'm in a rest period, I'm on a little hiatus, um, but I'll start to accept new clients in about two, three months or so. Oh, yes. My favor says to uh, find the wife. Find is a good thing. Um, title it in, in your subject. Um, put Aurora so that I'll know. And that'll alert me that, okay, these people are special. And so they're going to, uh, they're going to be up on the list. Okay. Can you say it one more time? These people are special. No, no. They're going to be. That, that's good. Oh, what are you talking about? I agree with that. Your email. Oh, email. Sorry. <laughs> it's Dr. Zarek Mays, D-R-Z-E-R-E-K-M-A-Y-E-S at gmail.com. And uh, you all can always email us, uh, info at allnationsaurora.com, info at allnationsaurora.com. Um, if you missed that, and we'll connect you with the good doctor. Uh, this is the final question. I think it's it's got mass appeal. How do you trust people when you have been hurt over and over and over again? Final question for the good doctor. Ma'am. Um, the scripture says this without faith it's impossible to please God tie everything I said back together the scripture also says that God takes the lonely and he places them in families when the Lord places you into a new family such as this one all nations Aurora or a new community, he's inviting you into trust. He's inviting you into a space where you're going to have to exercise your faith. You're going to have to use your faith to connect again. Now, that doesn't mean that you connect um, without caution or with, without care carelessly but it does mean that okay god if you're leading me here you you brought me into this space for a reason how do i trust again by faith 
How do I love again? By faith. How can I do this again? By faith. Not faith in me. Not faith in myself. Maybe not in total faith in them because I don't know. But in complete faith, believing loyalty to God, that God, you're not going to bring me to a place or into a space to leave me, for me to experience abandonment again. You're not going to do that. So my bottom line to this person in this arena, this space, it's going to be by faith. There, there's no other way around pleasing him. He finds it pleasing when you find community. He finds it pleasing and delightful when you're able to find delight in a human connection. So if I'm going to please God, if I'm going to engage in things that are pleasing to him, the Bible tells me it's going to require courageous faith. 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 You know how faith works? By love. There's no way around it. The only way to get to it is through it. And so, it's going to take faith. Can we stand and put our hands together for Dr. Zarek Mace? Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.